podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. You know, um, another weekend, another game of football, you know, and uh, this time we beat West Ham. Not as easy as I would have thought, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit nervous towards the end, but... Happy with the three points and keep applying that pressure onto Manchester City, which is all that we want and things are looking very exciting indeed. On this show, um, I have two incredible guests. They paired up um, a few weeks ago. Actually, it's been a while since they paired up, but it's great to have them back on. They are incredible people. They are incredible podcasters and one might have a slightly husky voice, so I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. So without further ado, let me introduce my guests. First up, I am delighted to be reunited with um, uh, my good friend, Kaylon Karim. Welcome back, Kay. Hi, Anins. How are you? It's, it's lovely to be here again. It's wonderful to have you back on. And, um, you know, um, we're going to be talking about Liverpool and we've got one of your good friends and my good friend as well. And I think um, just the Anfield um, Index community love hearing from this guy. And um, it's an honour to have him back on. And he's the one with the husky voice. So pay attention, <laughs> listeners. Pay attention. It is Mr. Marco Lopez. Welcome back, my friend. Damn, you just to- completely ruined my joke for Kay. I was going to tell, <laughs> tell everybody that was him, but it's all good. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you can always ruin me to ruin everything. You know? <laughs> you ruin everything, Kowser. Right, guys, let's get into this. Um, Liverpool won one nil. We do have a caller. I will bring him home on in a minute but um we've not spoken for a while so you know i want to just get your thoughts liverpool won carabao cup things are looking incredible the quadruple looks pretty much good um hot on the heels of man city and then that result against um west ham because obviously as we all know um we lost to them this season so it's good to stick it back to david moyes so just quick reaction guys how do you feel i'll come to you first Kay. So I feel a little bit relieved at the end of it. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I I think what you're talking about really fed into what was going on. You we win the Carabao Cup and it's nice. It's nice to win it. You know, it's it's the the kind of smallest domestic trophy. But it's if you're going to get to the final, you might as well win it. And it was it was a really good moment. Club's first domestic cup, and. Um, in the context of Liverpool also doing really well in every competition at the same time, we've gone on a real nice winning streak as of late. And coming into the game, there was a lot of talk, especially from the commentary team, you know, how imperious Liverpool is looking at the moment and approaching these games and kind of wiping the floor with teams as we go along. I think we've, you know, 
this match has kind of taught us that it's not that the lads are not going to expend the effort, but we are going to have games like this. It's difficult competing on all these fronts and, uh, and pursuing, you know, all these different kinds of avenues of success. Ooh, having said that, there was, you know, we played much better than the, than the result we got, I feel. And uh, we simultaneously, somehow, were also lucky enough to kind of come away with the, with the result. The real sort of profligacy in front of goal, I think, ended up costing us. But very relieved, uh, happy to just continue this little streak. And it is good on occasion to get these little bumps where you're going, okay, you know, don't get complacent, keep hungry, things can still go wrong, you have to work for it and uh, and keep us on that right track. So all in all, I mean, positive, it's three points, that's all you can be, um, and we take it forward. Honest God, you turned on full-on care, philosophical care there, you've given me proper Jurgen Klopp vibes, I love it, I love it. And um, <laughs> Marco, I'm going to come to you, I mean, your thoughts just in general about since the last time we spoke, where we were, where we are right now, and obviously the result, because it... I mean, we'll talk about the game, but um, I just want to get your feelings. Uh, I thought that it was really important, obviously, for the team to keep the momentum up. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to to sort of consider and string along. What is it? I think it's 12 matches in a row now that they've won. Uh, I know technically the League Cup final's a draw, and in some respects, and obviously penalty shootout win, but it's a win, like because obviously a, a trophy came home at the end of it. Yep. So that's that's really impressive as it in in of itself to sustain. Uh, I'm not expecting any favours uh, from anyone tomorrow. So Manchester City will will, will need to be Liverpool have a responsibility to keep uh, uh, making Manchester City look mm-hmm. over their shoulder. That's it. Yeah. So was it ugly in parts? Yes. Was it uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do I care because there's three points in the bag? <laughs> that, that's all that matters. That's yeah. that's all we should be worrying about. Simple as that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I completely, completely agree. Right, I did say we have a caller on and I am going to bring him on. It's great to hear from him, you know. Um, it's a familiar voice on the Nina Kalza show. I love hearing from him. I'm sure you guys do as well. I love the fact that he gives me his little soundbite of how he felt for the entire game and a little tidbit extra as well. It is Kieran. Kieran, welcome back. Thank you. It's always great to have you on the Nina Kalza show. Um, uh, the floor is yours. You know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very, very uh, difficult game against um, a West Ham side who, you know, can't uh, give uh, top teams a bloody nose every now and then. And, you know, we had to work very hard for the one today. Um, you know, I thought, um, I didn't think we played well, but we did. But the important thing is that we've got the massive three points and we just have to hope that... Um, the red half of Manchester, get a result tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for calling. Uh, thanks for that, um, Kieran. Thank you. Wonderful. Right, guys. Um, uh, so, Marco, there, there you have Kieran there, hoping that the red half of Manchester do his favours. I mean, the house, in, you know, my family will be very harmonious if that happened. We're all Man United fans, by the way, tomorrow. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> what? For reasons, no, 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 no. Reasons, yeah. no, 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 for, for personal reasons. Um, guys, um, <laughs> thanks everyone that's joining us live on Discord. If anyone wants to call in, just drop us a message. Lubos just put in a gorgeous picture of himself, Kev, and um, 
Amando, um, lovely, lovely picture there. Um, uh, yeah, um, not jealous at all, not jealous at all. But guys, um, anyone that's joining us live, please, if you want to call in, drop us a message and we'll get you on. Right, let's talk about the team lineup. And I will come to you first, Marco. Team lineup, one thing I love is the strength and depth on the bench now as well. And it's great to see people like Jota on the bench, you know, Minamino on the bench, who has been a great servant in the Cups, by the way. You know, he, he's he's turning into quite a player. But your thoughts on the lineup? I thought it was as strong as strong can be. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously, there'd been a lot of concerns raised uh, in the week about some of the injury con injuries suddenly sort of starting to surface. Uh, I, like many people, I'm sure, was very disappointed uh, to for Tiago to have that mishap. Uh, it's a bit of a weird thing uh, for him yeah. to have sort of um, picked up that injury in the pre-warm-up. It kind of makes me think that probably his fitness wasn't uh, particularly good to begin with uh, before the mm. final even started. Uh, but it would be really, really important to see him play play some part against Inter if he, if he can make it. And obviously Joel Matip uh, uh, missing, Firmino missing. So you're quite right. It's probably the lineup's uh, as good as it can be. But... I think on the whole, that that should have given everyone some comfort, right? Because I think fundamentally, the, the, the only part of the team that you probably worry about on paper is whether or not Sadio Mane in this, I don't know if you mm. want to call it a false nine or a proper nine. It, it, yeah. he, he, he kind of tries to play both roles interchangeably. I don't know if he's good at either of them uh, objectively, but it, it it's probably the only sort of blind spot in the team. Everything else we're kind of used to. I always get very excited when I see Nabi Keita on the field because I think he's he's still fairly under under underappreciated. Uh, so and I thought he he it was good to see him as well. Um, the the it, it's funny you said that the bench sort of s s support there and and the strengths of the the depth was was obvious. Uh, if if I can say one criticism of Klopp today, I don't think he went to it early enough, but we can probably talk about that later. Mm. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Um, hey, I'm going to come to you. I mean, talk to me about the team lineup. I thought it was very smart, the fact that, you know, with, you know, Jurgen Klopp looking at Antonio, the threat that West Ham have and, and bringing on a player like Konate was really, really sensible, in my opinion. And for most parts of the game, I thought he handled him really, really well. But I love the fact that he's got now options where he can give Matip a rest and bring in the right player for the right job, basically. I think we're definitely seeing that across all the competitions and just how Klopp is, you know, using the squad and dipping in and out. Uh, it's been interesting, uh, you know, how he's using the squad and the lineup now, whereas previously he's been saying a lot of things about, you know, wanting a small squad and liking a small squad. I think that's really been out of necessity where, you know, his previous teams, Mainz and Dortmund, uh, didn't have always the greatest transfer budgets. Um, and then at Liverpool where... Where there's you know sort of a policy of waiting for the right player before going out to spend that money, um, or, or or taking a punt, especially when big money is concerned, I, I think has sort of hamstrung transfers. While you know I'm not really commenting on hamstringing the hamstringing the performances or anything like that, but uh, certainly transfers haven't been as forthcoming as maybe other teams. Definitely our net spend is like way way down. Um, whatever you think about that. And now I think we're just seeing a little bit more use of the squad. That's why we got deep in the Carabao Cup. That's why. There, there are changes that he made in that tournament that he would not have made before. The, even later where he changed the lineups, I don't think we do that 
in previous seasons just because he doesn't have the the squad to use him. And now you're talking about you know uh, I mean the, look the Thiago one is bad and that happened, but but there's been more than one occasion when like a defender gets injured and you're like, oh my word, what are we going to do now? What happens when one of the front three get injured? It's lovely that we can have that now and that, uh, you know, before the game, a couple of my friends were talking about how um, it would have been kind of nice to see Costas, you know, uh, get a game here and there. And then there's obviously opinions on Minamino's, opinions on Keita and all these things. But they, for once, they're done in a, in, a, in a positive light, if I can put it that. That's lovely to see. It's, it's, really, it's really good to see. So I, no, I agree with you, Nins. This was the, you know, the strongest he can, he can sort of put out. I, I do think it will shine a spotlight as Marco is spotlighting himself on the substitutions and how Klopp makes them because there's a lot more options that he has now relative to before. Uh, so interesting to see going forward as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, um, uh, whilst you gents have been talking, I've been keeping an eye on the chat, um, on, the chat on Discord and... Hopefully, we might have a new caller on. Um, let's see if this works. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can bring him on. Vela 11 are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you perfectly. That was a really, really impressive first time. So, um, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, glad, glad to be on for my first time. Well, it's uh, absolutely yeah. wonderful to have you on. So the floor is yours. I was reading the chat above and you did kind of make us laugh with what you wrote. Maybe you can ask us that. I don't know. But yeah, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, what, what, what a great game. Uh, a little bit tighter than, than we thought it, than, uh, it needed to be. But again, um, you're going to have tight games like this um, to, to be able to, to challenge for the title. We saw it. In the 1920 season, where there was a lot of one-zero wins, and it was a little bit tighter than we like, but uh, yeah, you need those for title-challenging seasons. Um, but yeah, the 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 question that I brought up is how how gross do we feel as as Liverpool fans this year? Uh, the celebrating the the Harry Kane goal in the late in the late stages <laughs> of the city game, uh, ch- cheering for Everton and that and that close wow. uh, the close 1-0, and then now we're hoping for. For United to, to get a result in this next game against City, it just uh, something doesn't feel right. But I guess uh, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> the things oh. you gotta do, eh? Yeah, as you know, what that made me laugh when I saw um, that title. <laughs> so you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you that. If you could rate how dirty you felt from all, well, I'm assuming everyone will be. Um, secretly rooting for Man United we're not gonna you, you want United to do us a favor so rank it in your order Harry Kane goal wanting Everton and Frank Lampard's Everton as well so it's like a double whammy in terms of grossness and um wanting Man United to do us a favor tomorrow rank it in how gross you feel and you know what Kate I'm gonna come to you first no <laughs> yes shall I go first all right you go you go first I'll follow you Okay, I think if I could rate it in an order, I'm going to say, um, for me, probably, um, I think, you know, just, oh, it's really hard because they're all really disgusting. <laughs> I, I the hurricane one's not so bad. The hurricane one's not so bad. Do you want to know something? That one is pretty bad to me because he's a repulsive thing. 
No, no, he's so the, repulsive, though. He, 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 he is. He is repulsive. But 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 keep and in I mind. I called him a thing. How old am I? Five. He's a repulsive. Yeah. He's so, he's yeah, so but, icky. But, like, <laughs> but, but, but repulsive as they may be, the goals were good. The goals were important. And when you consider how Spurs have managed to conspire to lose every other game that that isn't important, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not Burnley straight after it's, to be like very very Spursy. Yeah, it's just it's just like beautifully poetic in a way. So so that one doesn't bother me. The other two guys, you know, I've I've I'm trying to think here. There's there's many things that that I wouldn't compare to having Roy Hodgson manage Liverpool again. You, you, you're getting very close to that, and and this is disturbing behaviour for for the sample podcast. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I I think I think uh, United supporting United takes the cake for me though by a long way. Dude, I think that's so interesting because more recently for me, especially these last kind of few years, I've kind of had to separate the uh, the, the kind of um, rivalry on the field, rivalry off the field, be- because of how fans and ownerships have developed over this period, right? Um, and it's kind of interesting. So like United while they are the largest rival and always, you know, the old enemy, at least there's, there's an, an inkling of kind of all rightness about that relative to our, you know, the, our closest front runners in terms of title challenges in recent years, you know, kind of thing. I, and I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I know people are going to come to me and say, well, you know, American hedge funds and AIG and all that. Not, not, I mean, cool. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't get rich by being good in the world. Um, and, and there are levels to these kinds of things. So for me, I would, I really, you know, the, the Everton one kind of got me because I wasn't expecting a damn thing from that team. Not one damn thing. And, I was, it, it just happened to be on. And the only reason it really happened to be on is because my girlfriend was, was, was having it on his background music while, you know, we were doing work and stuff like that. How and as the game dragged that, on, listen to that. No, she likes listening to sport because she, <laughs> she okay, wants to, but yeah, still, like, yeah, there's levels to this, mate. You know, you know, she, she turns it on. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna censure anybody. I don't want to infect her with my. <laughs> with my yeah. opinions, um, but as it got along, I got dragged in and I got sucked in so bad, so bad to the end. I wasn't even, I didn't even give one one iota of nonsense about that game. And by the end, I was screaming at the TV. Um, so that that made me feel that made me feel like just really silly at the end of it. So I put I put that as the worst. I put Harry Kane uh, probably at the as, as the least cringy, even though he's he's so you with his mouth breathing ways, and uh, <laughs> United can fit right in the middle. <laughs> mid table right, well, where they belong. Thanks for <laughs> United can sit in mid table where they belong. <laughs> no, uh, Sivella, thank you for joining us. Um, just um, if you could drop your Twitter handle in the chat box if you are on Twitter, and then we can we can pop. Um, we could put you in the tweets basically and you know um uh, give you a shout out there much appreciated I'll, I'll do that and uh maybe uh i'll be on a few more calls in the future hopefully yeah you you started up quite a, de- uh, a debate there and just for the record i didn't feel dirty at any because i am a self-serving individual and all three of those <laughs> served liverpool so i don't care i mean i love the fact that i can kind of now 
maybe um, get behind Man United and I know that they are absolutely having a dire, dire season and it has no impact on Liverpool or me whatsoever. Plus, my mum's a Liverpool, um, my mum's a Man United um, supporter. So, um, my love for her outweighs any hate for any Man United fan and they are not the nicest people. They're not the nicest people. I I agree with you, but yeah. Plus, I'm shit scared of her, and there's that as well. But anyway, moving very on. Sweet, That's very <laughs> sweet. Look, I'll 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 qualify one thing. I think um, I've uh, I've collected many. Uh, I'm sure all of us have collected many a uh, uh, a hateful United fan in their life or mm. two or seven or twenty because there's so many yes. of them for some reason. Yep. But um, the thing for me that's always in you know, I always get reminded, I can't remember where it was quoted, it's somewhere way back. I don't even know if this is true anymore, but uh, Ryan Giggs, when, I think when he was either caretaking or or, or sort of uh, trying to mm. serve on Louis Van Hall, had mentioned that what, what happened to Liverpool won't happen to United. Yes, never, yes, it was yeah. an article, yeah. I've never forgotten that. And, yeah. you know, and that's why I have to admit, you know, when I look at this team sort of going through what it is, okay, it's only 10 years, it's not 30 yet, but yeah, I, 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 I have to admit, whenever they fall, I really, really, really enjoy it. So, you know, the the the, the only the only the only sort of uh, drawback tomorrow is just, um, yeah, I I understand the 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 lay of the land and what's going to be beneficial for Liverpool. So, but I I can't bring myself to share that team. I just can't. No, we can't. And you know, and on and on a positive note as well, we did our business today. Does that make sense? Mm. We had to get the yes. three points. We did that, and that's what we're going to focus on. But it was a great discussion point, and uh, uh, it'll be very interesting to see where the listeners stand in this and uh, and the people that are joining us live as well. So please, guys, um, uh, if you want to rate them, by all means, do. Okay, guys, let's kind of talk about this game. And Marco, I'm going to come to you because Liverpool, like we said, this game was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, it started off so bright. I think Liverpool Salah had a chance on the first minute, and you know your 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 expectations are like I don't know at the highest. You're thinking, oh gosh, you know this this is going to be a, a fun um I'm gonna say evening because obviously it was a five thirty kickoff here. This is going to be a fun evening at Anfield. I think Liverpool are just going to really really try creating a lot of chances. Of course, you look at that West Ham midfield; it didn't look the strongest. You thought it's just going to be fun, and there were so many chances in in in. I think the first five minutes, I thought we were really really sparky. I felt like we didn't let um, West Ham, you know, settle in the game at all. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, the the first chance you think uh, it's it's sort of almost routine stuff for Mo and yeah, Mo Salah. I, I've 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 got a sense people are sort of trying to blame uh, or, or maybe sort of speculate that the uh, his sort of extended stint at AFCON is potentially where where some of this uh, sort of weird mixed bag of form is is coming from. I I think the guy's just tired, uh, fatigue being the the operative word, and that just comes in general from a significant amount of games. Because even if he hadn't gone to AFCON, he would have been playing a lot of games anyway. So uh, fundamentally, it's just it's. It's it's that factor in particular, and, and uh, when you consider how the the other players have been far more rotated, Mo's the one who's been least least rotated and least easily yeah. replaced. Um, I think if you look at the way that uh, Luis Diaz has slotted in beautifully on the left, uh, I love the fact that um, yeah, I, I I don't miss that guy in Portugal at all. I love that he's in he's in Liverpool red. It makes it's it's a very strange. You talk about uh, guilty pleasures. There's there's a weird one for you. 
um, sort of hating him in a Porto shirt. Now he's in Liverpool. But yeah. uh, but but effectively, I think yeah, the 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 team really managed to carve out things, and and, and you got a sense it was only a matter of time. Um, the the important dynamics around how how the game tactically settled is I, I think to some extent Liverpool weren't didn't press enough of an urgency as as the game went on. Uh, yeah. There were quite a few moments where uh, a counter attack was maybe one pass too slow, one pass too mm-hmm. too many, yeah. to to the extent where spaces uh, couldn't be exploited or West Ham were just about able to rec- recover themselves into into defensive shape. But uh, it was a promising start to make no mistake. It was absolutely, and Steve Pizza there today. Moore was trying to make up for missing that opener all game. Understandable, but um, but true. Um, uh, I will come to UK um on on your thoughts of how Liverpool started, and uh, just um you know, just your thoughts in general about you know maybe your um your expectations for what you were kind of um assuming. Because I just thought this is going to be a goal fest. How are we going to get revenge? And you know, Mo Salah really really did look bright, but um I think. I think um, uh, Marco is right there. You know, he's been like the least rested player and, uh, you know, it was good to see him sort of come off as well and the fact that we were calming him coming off because, like we said, we do have options now. But your thoughts in terms of how Liverpool started? I thought the tempo tempo was good and we'll talk about Luis Diaz next. Yeah, I think, importantly, the context of West Ham being, you know, just on the cusp of top four, especially early in the season when they were doing really well. I know they dropped off a bit, but... David Moyes has got them, you know, playing very, very well. You know, they're a very decent side, absolutely handy. Um, as mentioned, they can bloody the nose of, of the bigger teams uh, every now and again, certainly. And that, that's happened with us already this season. So, you know, you're looking at the game and thinking, okay, it's Anfield. You know, we win at Anfield. That's, that's great. But this is a, this is this David Moyes team, and if he wants to, you know, they can sit deep, they can play, they can they can do many things. Now they're very very well organized side, and then the game starts, and there's just three chances in the first three minutes, and you're going, what on earth is going on? <laughs> you know, it it was so easy to carve them open. It's uh, just such a string of shots that they didn't really pick up anything until sort of after the tenth minute. Um, but I think yeah. they had a had a sort of kick up the backside in those early minutes and. I mean, to be honest, when Mo was through in goal, I I did not conceive that he would miss. I I I just thought that 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 was it. You know, it's Fabianski versus Mo. Mo wins ten out of ten times. Apparently, it's nine out of ten, and this was the one time. Um, but yeah, as the, as the game went on, they didn't really have a lot in the game as far as really clear cut chances. You know, th- that was still with us in the game, and it was. It was essentially, I think, basically until that Gomot scramble they had uh, close to kind of the last five minutes of the game. And it was only then. And I like to take that as a measure of kind of how the game is going. You know, yes. if, if, if you're making clear-cut chances, you know, I, I don't really care if you, if you get offside chances or if you have possession or whatnot. You have to be able to carve, to carve out chances. And they weren't really doing that while still looking somewhat handy. So this is the thing that the commentators always do. They try and make the game seem a lot closer than than what it is in terms of dominance. But, you know, that and then um, having such a slim margin the entire game, I think, you know, especially as we got into the second half, I think that played on our minds. But that first half was pretty good from us, actually. I, I thought throughout the whole game we pressed really well. 
in the first half, especially until um, you know West Ham had little little bright spots kind of here and there. But you were confident after the first half, right? I mean, you looked at it thinking like we we should have scored, uh, you know, a, a couple here at least. And going into the the next half, maybe we can just ramp it up a little bit and take West Ham out of this. But uh, whew, didn't turn out to be like that. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. And obviously, as things progressed, you know, um, I do think, though, in the first half, we were definitely in more control and more composed. And um, I've got a, I've got a question here from Lisa Marie. She goes, how much do you think the absence of Declan Rice affected them today? Um, Marco, I'll come to you. I mean, we already know he's one of their star men. And of course, that is a huge loss. I think Jurgen Klopp spoke about it in his press conference as well. You know, they were out without him. But... Um, do you think that massively impacted them this, you know, um, against Liverpool? Or do you think Liverpool were overall just a, a stronger team? Because I do feel like our attack was... I thought Luis Diaz was probably the best out of our front three today, in my opinion. I just think he's an absolute nightmare to control and contain. And and I want to get your thoughts on that because... Um, to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Sometimes when he's just with that ball, I think it was about eleventh minute. He just took the ball, and the blue, the ball just stuck to his feet, and he was just kicking it up in 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 their in their half. And it was, it was yeah, like it was beach football. It was like playing beach football, and it's just an absolute joy to watch. But um, your thoughts on the the injury of Declan Rice to this um David Moyes um, West Ham team, which is actually impressing people quite a bit. It's hard to say if if Declan Rice would have fundamentally changed a lot of what happened in the game because if you look at it uh, by the end of it I think West Ham made a lot more chances than probably they would have even expected so they were probably a lot more dangerous than than they they could have hoped Uh, I think that there's a weird dynamic in terms of the way that uh, the midfield sort of supports a lot of what Antonio was trying to do and Canate looked uncomfortable but he managed it most of the time so to be honest I, I actually think that the way that uh, the way that Bowen and, and Suchek etc sort of compensated for the absence was uh, was fairly good having said that I mean obviously you know at the end of the day an injury there to to what their, their best player you you want to take advantage of it right so effectively it's 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 really good that uh, Liverpool were able to to sort of suspend that now as for Luis Diaz to to answer your second question uh yeah I mean you know uh, I think I think for the most part, whenever he was running at uh, at uh, at the defenders uh, uh, on 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 the West Ham side, uh, particularly Kutsuma, um Cat got his tongue. So Luis Diaz just pretty much embarrassed embarrassed him a hell of a lot. There's this wonderful run on 31 minutes that uh, I just sort of yeah. having seen so many of those moments uh, recently for him in. Uh, uh, in in Porto colours, it, it was good to just see more of that, and I'm really anxious to see that he he continues to sort of develop confidence. It's it's a bit ironic that in in seven games here he is with with one goal, uh, playing way better than Sadio Mane, who's got five and five. Mm-hmm. But but the, I think that just sort of comes with the footballers, like I suppose. Diaz was easily the the most dangerous of the of of, of the three, and I think that unfortunately does speak a lot to the form of the other two and the way that they're sort of, again, I think they're both fatigued. Uh, not Notwithstanding that Sadio Mane is, it's been a weird season for him because 
I don't know if we can necessarily say he's 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 had a particularly good season, even though the numbers uh, obviously betray a lot of what I'm saying. But 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 Luis Diaz for me is it's 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 an inspired signing for 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 Liverpool uh, given given the circumstances. Yeah, it's very interesting, Kay, isn't it? Because I'd like to get your thoughts on Declan Rice and obviously what he would have brought you know to that midfield uh, for West Ham, but. Um, just talk to me a little bit about the attack as well. I mean, I think, again, um, Marco hits the nail on the head. And, uh, you know, it has been a really, really interesting for a player like Sadio Mane, one Afcon. Um, I thought he was a bit off in the intergame, in my opinion, but looked really, really decent. And himself against, I'd say, the Leeds game. Didn't look the best in, in the Carabao Cup, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and today, you know, looked a little off it again. And, uh, you know, Luis Diaz here, um, uh, he comes in, he's absolutely impressed. He he looks absolutely sensational when he's on the ball. He excites you. He does so many wonderful things. I mean, unlucky to, you know, not, not get a goal as well. It was sort of cleared off the line in the first half. But um, your thoughts mm. just in general in terms of our front three? Because for me, he definitely, definitely has bought, like, the spark this season, which was probably something that, you know, we were excited about Jota last season when he bought the spark. You know, um, you know, mm. cre- you know, injecting some kind of new energy and new creativity, and even for the fans as well, seeing a different kind of player because we've been so used to these front three men performing at the elite level that they have, that just seeing something different and some freshness has not only been a joy for us as Liverpool supporters, but obviously their their fellow teammates as well. I mean, I think Robbo loves playing with him on the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> Um, no, it's been an interesting dynamic. I think it's a really good question because I, I didn't think about it until the question. But uh, when, when you're West Ham and and you you have that, you know, Declan Rice is out, especially given the plaudits he's been receiving recently, I think that does bum you out a bit. We know that because, you know, with Thiago getting that injury uh, yeah. in the warm-up to the final, we're kind of feeling the same, right? But you'd expect in that situation where both teams kind of quote-unquote top midfielder or inform midfielder gets out, you would think the better squad kind of wins. And I think it's a really interesting point because while none of Liverpool's midfielders had a really bad game in any way, shape or form, I mean, Henderson had some really nice touches. Keita was, you know, really lively and controlling the whole game. Fabinho did some really, really good stuff. At the same time, I don't think you can really say that Liverpool's midfield dominated the game to the level that you'd expect. And we can talk about, you know, West Ham maybe bypassing the midfield a couple of times. But, you know, it it didn't feel like there was a whole heap of control relative to what was going on. You know, if Declan Rice is not there, you've you've got West Ham kind of, especially as the game goes, carving out. Uh, chances w- during really awkward situations. All that together, you know, I, I think really raises your uh, sort of questions about the midfield, what they're doing, how they're organized, and how they go about their, their work. Because, like I said, it certainly didn't look bad. I couldn't point to any single person in the midfield and go, you know, you've done a really bad job here. Yeah. Positioning was bad, et cetera, et cetera. Yet at the same time, I'm I'm looking at you. None, nobody had a bad game, and yet I still can't see where our midfield has really inserted themselves and taken the game by the scruff of that neck, right? And that can play then into the the attacking lineup um, because uh, look, I definitely agree. It, it feels a bit like there's there's 
I would, I would, I definitely wouldn't call it a funk by any stretch of the imagination. You know, the the Fords are still scoring anything like you know that kind of stuff. They're doing good things. It's just they don't, they don't like Marco is alluding to. Don't seem to have that freshness, that real perkiness, and 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 one, and that's all being supplied by Luis Diaz at the moment. It's electric when he gets his his um his foot on the ball, and that run that Marco's talking about that that thirty one minute run. It's been a while since we've seen somebody other than Mo Salah do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's coming from the diff- a different side now entirely. It's going to be so interesting how things balance off because late in the game when the subs happen, I was a bit surprised as to how the team organized themselves. But if you're like think about it from our forward lines perspective as well, you're Mo or Mane, even Mo this season, looking around, going like, you know, uh, at, at times last season I kind of carried this attack. And this season, things are a little bit better, but I might be the primary attacker here. I would, you know, it, it's just, it's just while that's cool, I would love a little bit more support, uh, you know, in, in terms of where these things are going. For a long time, Bobby was there, not exactly a striker, you know, not exactly the one for the goals. Um, and go- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you have this, now you have Diaz and he's, how amazing. He's just come in, fitted into the team where... Jurgen Klopp has a thing, you know, six months you can you can chill with us and, and get to know everybody. And so, no, he's he's in, doesn't speak English properly, not a problem. <laughs> you know, he's he's come in and just absolutely shone bright. Um then at the same time, going back to what I said before, through the whole game, there were there were times when our midfield did link up quite well with the attack. And then other times when our attack looked slightly by themselves in terms of Diaz having to go by himself. Mo and Mane kind of, uh, you know, running forward towards the ball. Mo on a lot of occasions, I know some of this is decision-making, but um, Mo sometimes having to dribble his way out and not Hmm. kind of getting there, yeah. Yeah. Do you think a lot of this was down to the fact that I feel like obviously they uh, they analysed a threat in Mo Salah. So every time he got the ball, there was like five defenders around him. I felt like as the game progressed and you're absolutely spot on about the midfield, they didn't put a foot wrong, but there was just, you know, in moments there was something missing and maybe, you know, and I did notice that our attackers were like sort of, um, even people like Diaz were like dropping in quite deep, trying to help and get the ball. Just in certain elements, it wasn't, Mm. not a slight on anyone, but I felt like a lot of that was largely down to what West Ham started doing and basically... um, They started defending quite deep. They kind of, uh, you know, snuffed out all the spaces. So there wasn't an awful lot of space for our front men to operate. There wasn't an awful lot of, um, you know, space for our midfielders to be creative. And I was watching that. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because obviously you're way more smarter than me. But I just felt like it was one of those games where, I mean, and I'll say this every game, but in this game in particular, it's one of those games where we were missing maybe a peak Roberto Firmino who pounces on the second ball and presses and forces them into mistakes because they were very, very... um, I felt like Liverpool weren't really getting lucky on the second ball. Um, You know, there was a lot of bad decision-making. And also a player like Thiago would have been ideal in that midfield in terms of just sort of um, uh, pinging the passes and, you know, stretching out play and, you know, forcing defenders to do um, stupid things. Yeah, do you want to take this one, Marco? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm I'm thinking... I'm. I'm not, I'm not disputing that, that those elements around the, the role of a Bobby or, or a Tiago wouldn't have helped, but I also just felt that at times, especially down that right-hand side mm. channel, the, the team just wasn't direct enough. They just weren't moving the, moving the ball quick enough into, into those spaces. Uh, because there were many times when 
West Ham were trying to sort of do the counter, do do a counterattack to to sort of uh, put Liverpool in, in in very difficult situations, and Liverpool didn't really necessarily respond as quickly as they could have. And and you have you have a couple of moments where uh, there's only one, uh, only a couple, unfortunately, where where sort of those exploits happen. And you and and if you think about it, the the moments wherein there's there's a counterattack where where the front three is sort of running at West Ham. Those situations are fewer and further between than you'd like, but in 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 a situation where the front three is in is is in full form, and obviously here we're focusing on Mane and Salah specifically, you kind of know it's 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 more of a case of what what kind of goal they'll score rather than if they're going to score. So there there were there were there were more than enough counterattacks for for Liverpool to do that. Mm. Also have sort of a. A good look at uh, the efficacy of the left-hand channel versus the right. Uh, right-hand channel today, like you rightly say, a lot of the attacks stop with Mo. Uh, I don't think a Thiago Firmino necessarily fixes that, just because in the end, the, the focal point being Mo and Mo just not being fully sort of himself means that a Thiago Firmino is going to be forced to make a different decision, probably to the other side anyway. Whereas, and then on, on the left, left-hand side, I felt that the only part of the left-hand channel that didn't work out so well, unfortunately, was Andy Robertson. Um, had a very good game defensively, did not have as good a game on, on, on the attack. So you, you, you didn't necessarily get the kind of incision that you, you'd like. And I just felt that there were a lot of moments where... Uh, whatever Luis Diaz was doing just just wasn't. I mean, I'm probably the the biggest one for me is Mo. I, I think Mo at, at at a stage in this game was just deciding he needs to score, he needs to put something in the net because he just needs to sort of get that stamp back. And mm. the best chance that he actually could have set up Luis Diaz for a very simple goal, instead of back healing it after Diaz has has sort of uh, switched over to the right hand side. He could just as easily back heel. He doesn't. He holds it. He tries to shoot, and it's a it's a very weak shot. Uh, that's somewhere in the second half. I can't remember the minute, but mm. but that's th- th- that for me is very and and no no amount of Thiago or Firmino or any other player in good form unfortunately can fix that. What about you, McKay? Um, I mean, your thoughts on uh, you know just just what we've been chatting about there, or, or we can move on to um, something else. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, to be honest, I thought Moshe, like, uh, after about half an hour, the game really seemed to be calling out for Jota um, in, in his position and, and just his directness. Uh, you know, I'm just looking down. We, we created enough, quote-unquote, chances. I know they weren't all big chances, but we were so wasteful in, in terms of what we, what we, what we created. I, I think David Moyes has a bit of an issue there where you, you want to be top four, you can't you can't keep it and be defensive. You have to be a little bit expansive at least. And I think he's done that pretty well, actually. I think, you know, Jared Bowen and the emergence of, of what he's done. And Cal Antonio is just an amazing, amazing footballer, really. Uh, he's he's done it pretty well. But I, I just felt the whole game, it was just, you know, especially going to the second half. You're like, if, you know, what would happen if we got Jota on now? And I, I think the issue for me was who do we get Jota on for? But it really felt awfully a lot like we really just need to get him on i thought we created enough enough chances the, i understand what you're saying though at the, on the other side west ham did create some chances as well so it would be nice to have more control of the game but um i, I just i you know i felt like if jota was on the field 
for a good portion of that game, we would have uh, at least had a second or, you know, just been a bit more comfortable even in the first half. No, absolutely. And guys, um, with regards to that first half, I mean, a player that kind of really impressed me, we spoke about Luis Diaz there being like the best from the forwards. I think, you know, there was a few players that kind of impressed me. And I think obviously Diaz was one of them. And we'll talk about the two other two that sort of impressed me. And I want to get your thoughts. I thought Trent Alexander, Marco, I'll come to you, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I thought for me, um, was pretty, pretty decent today um, in an attacking sense. Even, um, you know, um, clearing the ball, um, clearing the ball off the line. I, I felt like he was, um, you, you spoke about not being impressed or, or impressed with Robertson in an attacking sense, but was happy with his defensive work. What did you make of Trent today? Because I thought Trent was very, very good. Yeah, Trent, Trent shaded man of the match for me. Uh, yes. That's that's pretty much where I thought Trent in, in many respects was easily the, uh, the best source of most of Liverpool's dangerous work, which is no is is a storyline we're very used to, and on the whole wasn't too bad in, in in sort of dealing with a lot of defensive tasks that he was asked about. The clearance of the line is really important, significant because uh, Allison was surprisingly erratic. Uh, very very, it was like a kitten chasing a ball of string or something, and you know, like it yeah. freaks me out. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. There's, there's nobody there's take a... it. No, no cats. No cats are allowed yet. Sorry, sorry. No, you, you, you too really let the cat out the bag now. So, but, but in any case, the, the, um, I promise no more cat jokes. But, but also, you, you have a look at at, at some sort of the, the the other compensatory measures. I think both fullbacks were, were quite good at it. There's the, the, there's the moment that Virgil Van Dijk uh, also ma- makes a rare mistake and and Robertson bails him out. But yeah, I mean, Trent was was definitely a big part of of. Um, the best attacking moments obviously creates the goal. Uh, I think Fabianski has and to ask a lot of questions for himself, but but yeah. and, you know, credit credit to Sadio Mane as well there for you know just yeah. um, beating the trap. <laughs> yeah, uh, beat the trap uh, with uh, uh, feet, shins, arms, legs, sleeves. What, what else can be offside now? I don't know, um, but he, but he managed to 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 stay onside in full and 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 sort of get to the ball. Uh, spare a thought as well for for for, for the important pass that uh, uh, Keita sort of sets up to to get Trent in that position as well. So mm-hmm. it's uh, but but Trent Trent was good and and definitely one of the the spark points for the for the team today. Okay, I'll come to you. I mean, your your thoughts on uh, Trent's performance today because I feel like even. I feel like people really, really massively underrate him, certainly on his defensive side of work as well. Do you know what I mean? Like people just think, oh, no, he's just an assist merchant, doesn't really do anything else. And I'm like, well, if he wasn't overly great at defending, Jurgen Klopp would not play him as a right back. Does that make sense? And today he did put in a bit of a defensive shift again today. I think it's incredible how these myths just perpetuate with people talking about how he can't defend and... Mm. And things like that. Uh, it was very interesting when Pep said over the weekend, or not over the weekend, over uh, during the week that you know these stats and how these people, you know, sometimes you need the eye test. I, I find it very interesting that statistics people always say you cannot just use statistics to describe a game, and we are looking for the best statistics. Whereas people who use the eye test purely go on and say that you can only use the eye test to do these yes. kinds of things. I think things like statistics help in when you have these issues you know, with those myths that perpetuate themselves consistently. Uh, Keita is a defensive liability. Thiago can't fit in the system. Trent can't defend, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it all helps us to um, 
to see what's actually going on and, and allows us to question ourselves. Okay, if Trent can't uh, defend, why does he get this many blocks? Why are the defensive statistics so so good? Is it that our midfield is bailing him out all the time? If that was the case, you know, we'd have holes in the midfield consistently and we'd get goals scored that way, etc., etc., etc. Today was just one of those games, I think, where, where uh, Trent, you know, he did really well defensively, offensively. I, I think we're just so used to it now. We don't really realize what's happening anymore. It's just this kid is doing this stuff. Ridiculous things all the time. I thought even the volley that he got on, on target, that was, you know, it's kind of soft, um, yeah. but it kind of showed his technique. It, it, he got it wrong and it ended up being soft, but it was going to the top corner. You know, if he yeah, did get his yeah, foot behind it, that was unstoppable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it's, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. And I know people are calling him to move to midfield. I, I don't like that. I, uh, you know, if Klopp wants to do it, I think let's see what happens. But until then, he's enjoying himself. Let him develop his game there. He's absolutely bossing the game from that from that right back position. And you saw today, he, he did that across the, you know, a, a lot of the game. He barely put a step wrong. And it's, it, it's, I know a lot of people are blaming him, quote unquote, for the offside. Um, that wasn't when he cleared off the line, but he did end up clearing off the line. And the important part of making a mistake is how you, how you come back and, uh, and, and rescue it. So, um, hopefully more people can take note. Hopefully more people can really look at his defensive performance and, and uh, you know more independently and unbiasedly look at it. I'm, I'm not trying to say he's the best defensive right back in the world. He's certainly not the worst. He's pretty damn good at it, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. And Kay, I'm going to stick with you. And another player that kind of impressed me as well is uh, you know a player that kind of makes fleeting starts, and it's great to see him play. And I'm going to talk about Ibrahima Konate. Um, I thought. Antonio, you see that name, you know, you're you're a bit mortified because you know what he's about, you know his strength, you know what you know what um West Ham are as a threat. They are scary on the counter. They will scare you on set pieces because they have a lot of height in that team. So, you know, bringing on a player like Konate, I thought he handled the the whole situation absolutely fine, in my opinion. He did not look flustered at all for most parts of the game. My favorite moment was when I think it was Antonio just knocked it past him and decided to, to you know, he had a good couple yards start to sprint down the line. And he looked like he was just going to absolutely overtake um, Ibu and, and, and like get to the ball first. And Ibu just gets into gear, gets there first. And I know he did concede the throw in afterwards, but I genuinely think that was the first time in the game that um, that Antonio kind of looked at it and went like, oof, you know. I can't just do what I want. I, I have to be respectful to this guy. And it's such an important thing because exactly what you're saying, Nins, this is one of those Premier League tests. Antonio is a really bloody good player. West Ham is a difficult team to play against. And Ibu coming out and putting on that performance, not even barely putting a foot wrong, in, in a lot of occasions, just absolutely stamping his foot on the game and saying, like, you, you will not come through here. I'm not going to let you do this. Um, uh, even out wide, you know, when when he was covering for the fullbacks and stuff like that, I thought he just did really, really well. It, it's lovely to see that, you know, we have a bunch of centre-back pairings and they can kind of all work. But it was really coming to the team. And besides being a wonderful character, he's taken on instruction really well and is starting to express himself now. I remember his first games, he didn't really want to send long balls through. He hit one, didn't really go anywhere. And now, you know, him and Van Dijk are both hitting those balls. They're both doing what they can to progress the play. 
while still dominating in the back. To dominate aerially, dominate on the ground against Mikel Antonio is not easy. And he did it, you know, pretty well. Like, I'm not saying he didn't break a sweat, but it was pretty close for, the, for that kind of thing. Excellent, excellent game. He was, um, he was my man of the match today, to be honest. Pod has just completely wrecked all the spoilers here and everyone, I know exactly where everyone's going to go. I mean, Marco, I'm going to come to you. I mean, what did you make up of the 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 duel of uh, Antonio and uh, Conate? Because for me, I thought he handled them really well. Um, I am absolutely traumatised from, you know, from flashes of what happened um, earlier on in the season. You know, um, I just felt like he, for, for most parts of the game, handled him really, really well. Yeah, he did. Uh, and I think to some extent he might have even sort of been, been a little bit surprised by that because there's elements of his body language that uh, gave me the impression at least that he was sort of really sort of paying a lot of attention to to how difficult this could be. But I think the nice difference between uh, between Kanate and, and other defenders we've had in the past play for the club is that uh, he really was sort of very acutely aware of the fact that this is not a this is not a battle that he that he should have uh, allowed himself to be intimidated by so i i embrace the fact that he 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 took it on he faced it he won and and it's important because you need someone like Kanata to to continue getting confidence that he can handle the lukakus and the antonios because you know at some point if uh, if liverpool continue on this on this march to 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 whatever number of trophies they they intend on winning uh, you're going to bump into even more difficult players. Um, you know, I I don't want to jinx it, so don't all you tweet me in, in hate if this happens, but uh, if if the next opponent is someone like PSG, he's going to have to figure out, okay, how do I handle Kylian Mbappe? Because, I mean, the step up from Antonio Mbappe could be obviously extreme. This is this is good practice. Now, the reality is if, if you're going to win the Champions League, you're going to have to take on people like that. You're going to have to make sure you can get the better of them. So, um, here he's. This is just another notch in in the ladder, and and it was good preparation for whatever you may face. Mm. I mean, for me, I just love the fact that Konate quietly got on with it and kept Valencia quiet. I think there's nothing worse than seeing a scary kind of battle where your defender's getting all kind of, you know, taken into horrible places and he's getting flustered, which has happened to us in the past with certain defenders. And I won't mention any names, you know, where it's just completely, completely highlighted where one of our defenders has been struggling and, you know, the the attacker has got the mark on our defender. So for me, I, I love the fact that Kanate was just quietly, professionally getting on with it. Marco, I'm going to come to you because, um, you know, um, second half, I mean, kind of a bit different. I felt like, you know, you, you spoke about Jurgen Klopp and his subs and McKay there was speaking about, you know, he felt like, you know, there was a sub to be made earlier on in the game. He felt like something was off with the attack. So I'm going to get your thoughts off because in the previous pause, we've been praising Jurgen Klopp for making the subs at the right time. So I want to get your thoughts of when, you know, Jurgen Klopp makes his first sub because he does wait a while and it is, um, I think it was on the, am I right in thinking it was like the 79th? Yeah, it's just like 79, 80 minutes. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a long Mosala time. Just had, Mosala just had a chance and it wasn't a great one. And then, so 78 minutes and then he comes off for Jota. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it did feel late, didn't it? I mean, the the weirdest thing by that point, you're you're wondering from a from a fatigue perspective because by that point, uh, West Ham have had quite a few chances or, or half chances, even though weirdly enough, they... 
they didn't have uh, the same quality of chances in, in the second half like they did the first. But uh, everyone's starting to get anxious and edgy in the stadium. You you can hear it. So fundamentally, it, it certainly felt like it was it was the right moment to to start looking at the bench. Uh, I definitely would have brought Jota on earlier. I think uh, the sub no, four. He does 60 minutes, doesn't he? Like, that's yeah. my... Yeah, like 60 minutes, he usually minutes makes his first change, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's... it's. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe Klopp just sort of felt that uh, the team could extend, given that uh, uh, a bit further, given that the next match uh, against Inter is obviously still at home. So it's not that they need to leave the city for travelling or, or anything like yeah. that. But yeah. But uh, but fundamentally, it, it's, it's still a bit surprising because I would have thought that... You know, with the with the for conge- uh, the, the the fixture congestion being what it is, you you would want to be able to sort of keep the rotation going. Um, Salah for me was the 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 obvious one to come off, not because Mane was playing better, but just because I think uh, Salah's due due a little bit of a break. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought it was interesting that um, uh, Naby Keita was was sort of preserved for as long as he did. So even though I probably would have expected him to come off uh, also quite early, I actually in in in, in reverse psychology, I, it was quite nice to see Nabi last that long because we've we, not I, always we had the same conversation. <laughs> we did. We were like, it's yeah. so good to see him pretty much get like ninety minutes. Pretty much, it's 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 yeah. a hardiness we've we've not been used to from him, and 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 I think you know there's a lot to like about how if effective that left hand channel was. Um, sincerely hoping that you know. Against Inter, there's an early goal. Whoever plays, there's some decent rotation because I think the 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 three away matches in a row they're not going to be easy. I'm very worried about the one in the middle um, at at the Emirates, but uh, but uh, definitely uh, it, it was a bit surprising to see Jurgen take that long. Make no mistake. I mean, okay, I'm going to come to you. So Salah's off on um, 78 minutes. Then you have Naby come off around about um, 89 minutes. And um, I think, you know, I think it's like in injury time where you saw Diaz come off for Jones. I mean, you you had an issue with where you were looking at the game and you're thinking it was screaming for a sub. So I want to get your thoughts on these are even relatively late for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, they they are. And you, you guys are right. He has been pretty, pretty good with his subs recently. I don't know if he maybe saw the game state um, and, and was you know worried about an imbalance in the midfield or up front might tilt uh, things too much in West Ham's favour or like Marco was saying you know fatigue factors and loads on plays and that kind of thing. I, it just really felt obvious that uh, Jota's directness. I, I thought if he just played in his normal position, he, you know, you would have scored. It just felt like that to me. The the thing that I thought was also really weird was when Jota came on, he he it was a direct sub for Mo Salah, and I, I've never I've not seen Jota play there for us, um, not that I can remember, and he I didn't think he was very effective from there at all. Um, you know, play him in the middle or from the left. I know Lewis is there in from the left. Okay, then play him in the middle. I'd even move Sadio over to the right because Sadio has played there a couple times. I I, I couldn't you know really understand what that was for uh you know so, so it, it was just it was just all a bit weird and it was it just added to the intensity of the game where you're really not sure what's going to happen and how's it going to go um i know lee dixon was also saying doesn't understand why in five minutes of injury time a team winning one nil 
would make a substitute. I mean, bro, <laughs> it's like you're not a, you were never professional. I, I don't understand, you know, these pundits sometimes. But yeah, I mean, in terms of that, I, it was just all a, a bit flummoxing for me. I thought it was right sub, done the wrong way, done a bit too late, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, look, we got away with it, and so if you're going to make the mistakes, make a couple of them at the same time, and then you can get away with it. And you know, we we hopefully don't have to put in that situation again in the in the in the near future, so at least. So, uh, yeah, from that perspective, it was fine. It was just very eyebrow raising. Okay, I'm going to stick with you because obviously we'll quickly speak about the second half. But for me, um, the second half, I felt like, you know, maybe there was a bit of a drop in quality. I felt like um, the decision making wasn't great. And I think um, Marco touched on this as well. Like, you know, too many passes, um, underpassing, not winning the second ball. But for me, there was just um, a lack of like urgency and a lack, you know, the, the decision making wasn't great. And I felt like that was maybe the the factor that frustrated me not not too scared about West Ham I think they only genuinely frightened me with that Lanzini chance where he controlled it so great and then decided to completely just I don't even know bottle it you know but as a whole like, yeah. I wasn't frightened by them I was just getting more frustrated that not frustrated in a negative way but just like ah oh, should have passed it there oh you know like it was that kind of frustration the whole the whole second half our front line just had a collective brain fart kind of mm. i think with the exception of diaz diaz uh kind of kept on you know you know chugging along and, and doing what he could but everybody else had gone to that position even on the rare occasions when kind of even the midfield had a had a shot here and there and stuff like that it, it always felt like by the time the shot came that was the wrong decision you know <laughs> you should have passed it or you're being too selfish or something didn't stick or it, it happened the entire second half it was absolutely mad. I don't know what was said in the dressing room at halftime. And I doubt it was anything, you know, said that affected us. But we, we just came out and Mo Salah specifically just had, I mean, around 60 minutes, between 60 and 70 minutes. He had this, this spate of chances that he just kept on mucking about with and uh, not getting into the greatest positions to score, not passing when he should have passed. And it, it felt like a kind of, almost like a red mist descended upon Anfield, but in the wrong way. It was just a, a layer of, of either selfishness or bad decision-making, you know, total brain farts across the ground. And, um, you, you know, it's so frustrating to just think that if you just passed it, we would, you know, we'd have been in a much better position to score. But for some reason, everybody was just doing this stuff. I, I, it was so confusing as to what the actual game plan was because we've been actually really good um, this entire season, we've been, I mean, more than that, we've, it's, it's for a while now, our attack has, has been really good at decision-making. So I'm not sure what happened, but the, the whole time was just endlessly frustrating. The first thing my dad sent me is a message after the game saying that whole second half was just really, really bad decisions. Um, and you, you, can't, you, you can't disagree with that. It was just awful. I think your dad's absolutely spot on there. I mean, Marco, what did you make of just our performance levels in the second half? The sense of urgency comment is definitely relevant, but I also just, I also think that, uh, to be honest, the it, it, I wouldn't necessarily support the the idea that the team wasn't trying to trying to score. It was more sort of those elements of decision making that um, that undermined the team. And if you think the uh, you're just not seeing the half chances because they didn't they didn't turn into something meaningful. So again, it's the back heel that should have happened between Salah and Diaz, or it's 
the cross from from Robertson after some some wonderful build up of, uh, up up along the the left hand channel somewhere in the second half that I can't recall. Um, there's a couple of moments like that, and and effectively had those had those had that final ball had that extra touch gone the right way, you're you're staring at a really good uh, quality of chance, much like what uh, Lanzini had. Uh, the only difference being obviously likely that he skied it and and Liverpool even even the one that that, that Salah got just before he got subbed is not necessarily a terrible chance. He's just controlled it way yeah. sort of lo- lower to a standard than he usually does because yeah. Salah being Salah, he's either trying to first time it or he gets it, stops it, gathers it, you know, pokes it with his right foot. Uh, yeah, it's 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 those kinds of margins that uh, the the team didn't seem to have in, in the second half today. No, I I think that's fair. I think you know if we'd like done that that random thing where we're absolutely dreadful and we score th- three goals, I think people kind of, you know, forget like you said those half chances. Guys, we have come to the end of this show. I mean, K, Marco, is there anything that you feel that needs highlighting from the game that we've not done? So, I mean, this is your chance to speak now, where you can never speak about this game ever again. This is the closure pod. Uh, <laughs> I never want to hear from it again. That's it. Okay, anything that you feel like you want to highlight or address on this pod about the game? I, I, yeah, I think there were a couple of like really bright sparks we can hook on to. Obviously, Luis Diaz's continued uh, emergence into the team is going really well. Uh, I love the fact that, uh, as you guys were saying, Keita came through and that our midfield, uh, no, nobody I thought had a terrible game. It was all really nice. Henderson had some really good touches. Keita lasted. Fabinho is bloody lovely. I just love him so much. And obviously, we, we were speaking at the back about... Uh, Ibu, and even though he isn't getting consistent time, he's doing so well when he comes on, and uh, totally agree. It's a feather in his cap. And and the other thing is, there were a number of brain farts in this game, and it's great that we could concentrate them all in one game, hopefully, and it won't happen for the games coming up. <laughs> yeah, and they weren't costly, you know, because that's the yeah. worst. Yeah, yeah. That's we'll it. take that. We'll take that. Yep, I, I like them, them takeaways from the game. What about you, Marco? Uh, I just have one, one bizarre question to ask: What person has enough money to waste that they decide? I mean, I appreciate the sentiment; it's it's wonderful. But, <laughs> I was also thinking but, that. <laughs> but I just, I just need to understand you. You know, there's a lot of things I would put on on a banner on an on an airplane. A lot. I don't know if cat lives matter. I mean, that that happened a month ago. I mean, Kurt's Kurt's uh, Kurt's probably forgotten about it as well. Um, I'm trying to understand who who decides that, that that's yeah it's it's a bit bizarre to me. Um, I can th- 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 there's there's a lot of other things I would put in an airplane that uh, I've got nothing against cats or anything, but yeah, I'm just that that's bizarre. Um, go the Reds, the the quad is on. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a big cat lover. Uh, I've not really said anything much about Kurt Zuma, but he's an absolute dickhead. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, you know, got no time for him disgusting human being. But anyway, moving on, let's move on to man of the match. Uh, guys, who's your man of the match and why? I know you spoiled it. I know exactly where you're going to go. But just one more time for the cheap seats in the back. Marco, who's your man of the match? Brent Alexander-Arnold. And yeah. an assist in the goal line clearance and just generally all-round great play. I was with you on that one. And okay, um, uh, I'm going to come to you one more time. It's Ibu for me. Imperious performance. Uh, I, I like that from a 
from a player who hasn't been in the team uh, to handle somebody like Mikel Antonio, who I, I rate quite highly outside of the top four strikers. Ah, it was it was a real joy to see, and uh, long may it continue, making just progress and progress from there. You know what I really love about these men of the match shouts? They're not the usual ones that we tend to go for. So um, uh, for me, that is just incredible. Um, Adam Proticcioni there, um, I think he's going for Trent as well, guys. Um, right, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you to everyone that joined us live. Thank you for everyone listening. Before I go, um, I'm just going to do a quick follow-up on um, rating the worst. Um, Lisa Marie goes, I can't stand Harry Kane, but on the 19th of February, I was cheering him on. Steve Peter <laughs> here, worst to, um, worst to the least worst. Um, he's gone with getting sucked into every, um, Everton's failure and VAR being shite. His second was supporting, um, will be supporting Man United tomorrow. And third is screaming in delight at Harry Kane. So that's his order. And um, Steve Allen, who actually posed the question, he's gone with um, number one, um, ignoring the Ev game as long as I can to tune in and that shit show for about 15 minutes. Yes, <laughs> it's the most Everton thing. Hoping for Man uh, Man Poo United tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> for Man United and celebrating Harry Kane's late goal versus City. So there you have it, guys. We've got some responses to that and a shout out to all three awesome people. Nice that um, contributed there. But if you're listening as well, you can rate them. We'd love to hear from you guys. Where can people find both of you on social media, Marco? I'll come to you first. And is there anything you'd like to plug? Nothing to plug right now, but uh, people can find me on Twitter at, at FootyML. Give him a follow. He's awesome. You heard it here. Not, not for the first time, though. Thank and you. Kay, what about you? Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, if, if you subscribe to Anfield Index or you just rock up, I mean, just come to the Discord. We're all here. We're all just waiting for you. But if you want to interact with me on Twitter, it's uh, it's at the kiln. That's V underscore K Y L N. Yeah, you can find me there. Again, give him a follow. He's awesome, and it's not the first time you've heard it here first. So yeah, guys, uh, give both of these a follow. Join the Anfield Index community and join Discord. It's incredible. We have incredible people on there. Great community. Great. Great interaction, great conversation, great debate. So, yep, check that out. There's loads of awesome content on AI now. So do check that out. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, hopefully, I will be back with the Euro incision and hopefully I'll be talking about another win. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Till next time, take care and up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.